great future. We're talking real money. Well, it's about time to end this short holiday week. And wow, looking back through my email, I see that um, the questions just keep piling up. So it's time to devote yet another episode to getting your questions answered. Questions that are either called in to 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, are typed in at TalkingRealMoney.com, or, as many of you have done in the past couple of weeks, actually spoken your questions by clicking the microphone button on the contact page at TalkingRealMoney.com, and then those come to me like this one. Tom and Don, enjoy the show, the talk, and the entertainment. I uh, appreciate very much you doing what you do. Uh, my wife and I have a follow-up question for you. We both have pensions, will have Social Security, and do not foresee us ever actually needing any of our traditional IRAs or Roth IRAs. Therefore, the sum total of these will be left to our three children. Uh, this is a follow-up question to one you answered recently on your show regarding Roth conversions and paying the tax for doing the conversion. Uh, You were very convincing that if you were going to pay the tax out of the traditional IRA in the process of the Roth conversion, we would be really better off leaving the money in the traditional IRA and paying taxes as we took it out. Because these instruments will be left to our children, at least that's our intent, Um, and we would like to spare them having to pay the taxes in the 10-year payout of the traditional IRAs and enjoy the 10-year period of tax-free growth in any converted Roth or Roth IRAs. We would like to ask, with that caveat, is your answer still the same, that we'd be better off paying the taxes for the Roth conversions out of money we have today rather than taking it out of the traditional IRAs to pay the taxes uh, for the future uh, use of the inheritance of our children. Thank you very much and have a great day. Well, answering this kind of a question is really difficult because of the unknown nature of the future. We don't know. But generally speaking, and that's the only way we can speak, generally speaking, you are better off letting that 20 to 30% that you would have to give to the government continue to accrue tax-deferred inside the tax-deferred regular IRA because of, an, because of all the uncertainty. There's just too much uncertainty as to whether or when it will be inherited, um, what the tax rates are going to be like at that time, what kind of tax rates your kids are going to have at that time. But the one thing we do know is that growing tax deferred at least, uh, you're going to be building wealth on wealth you would have given to the government. So that's the only thing we can know. Therefore, that's the direction I'm always going to lean in as a rule of thumb. So, yeah, I would just let the stuff ride, and uh, if at some point you can afford to pay the taxes on some of that out of other monies, great. But otherwise, I think I'd leave it. I'd just let it ride. And remember, it's free money for your kids. So, it's not going to make that big a difference either way, I don't believe. 
Once again, you can send us your questions at TalkingRealMoney.com. Just uh, go to the contact form, type them in, or speak them in. Hi, Tom and Don. Big fans of the show. Can't thank you enough for all the advice and help you have provided to me and to so many others. I currently own ANCFX, which is the American Funds Fundamental Investors Class A shares and a brokerage account, of which I no longer contribute to. As I'm sure you know, this fund has a front-end sales charge of 5.75%, in an expense ratio of 0.61%. I would like to move all this over to my Vanguard brokerage account, but know this will create a taxable event when I go to sell. Is there any way to mitigate this, or do I simply bite the tax bill and get the money invested with Vanguard's low-cost index funds as soon as possible? Thank you for the help. I'm a big advocate of making the change. You just don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to do it all now. The reason I say this is because I want you to do some tax planning, some pre-sale tax planning. I want you to look at your tax bracket and see what your capital gain rate is based on your current tax bracket and how much in capital gains you can enjoy before you kick that up to another higher bracket. So just do some planning and uh, sell enough to keep yourself from creeping up a capital gains bracket. Because if you go up, like you go up from zero to 15, for example, you've destroyed all of the benefit of reducing your costs for many years. So do some pre-tax planning. But I love the idea of getting it out of a higher cost fund and into a lower cost fund. Again, send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com or call them in 24 hours a day to 855-935-TALK. You can also, by the way, call us live on our Saturday show that we do in Seattle at 855-935-TALK by calling between 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. on Saturdays. That's Eastern Time, noon to 2 Pacific Time. Here's another question. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, I've got a quick question for you. My wife currently works for a small company that has a simple IRA. Unfortunately, it's with um, Merrill Lynch. She can contribute up to $13,500 a year, which she's currently doing. The problem is when I go into her Merrill Lynch account, first of all, they have her in some crazy stuff. And secondly, they charge, I think, around 1.5%. They don't list it very clearly, but just from doing the math, that's about what it appears to be, a percent and a half. So I started doing some digging around the IRS website, and it appears to me that she can transfer her money out of her simple IRA to a traditional IRA once every 12 months, as long as she has the account open for two years, uh, even while she's still working for that same employer. Um, Not sure if I had that right. If you guys could confirm or deny that, I'd appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. You and your wife are in luck because the simple IRA is, I believe, the only company retirement plan from which you can roll your money into a traditional IRA while you're still working. And you got it absolutely right. You cannot roll it out within the first two years or you suffer into a traditional IRA. You can go into another simple, but you can't take it out in the first two years without suffering a huge 25% penalty, gigantic penalty. However, as you stated, 
after two years, every single year, you can take those contributions and the match, and you can put them in any IRA you choose with anybody, saving those big fees. Now, I don't know how close your wife is to the employer, but I would suggest that she talk to your employer, just for the benefit of everybody, uh, everybody in the plan, uh, maybe moving it somewhere else to a no-load mutual fund group, to a lower fee-only fiduciary advisor, uh, to a, a, a brokerage firm, a, a, a low-cost brokerage firm like a Schwab just for the benefit of everybody, but no, she's, she's in great shape. Make the contributions for a year, get whatever is thrown in by the company. Then at the, at the end of every year, move it out. It's going to tick off the Merrill Lynch broker, but this is business. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Really smart. Again, the number 855-935-TALK or send your questions at a talking And since we have so many, we should just keep powering through them. Hi, Don and Tom. This is Bill in Indiana. I'm looking to rebalance my portfolios to be more globally allocated and ultimately arrive at a 60-40 U.S. international ratio. At this point, I like the idea of using Avantis's AVDV as an international small cap value option, but I'm stuck on what to do with large blend. I know you guys recommend VTWAX and VTIX, which includes large blend as well as emerging markets. I'm hesitant to invest in traditional emerging market funds because they're large allocation to China, which could be as much as 40% in the case of Vanguard. But based on this concern, as well as recent executive orders from the president, I would like to avoid a direct allocation there completely. With that, would you recommend that I stick with a fund like VEA or VTGMX, which is Vanguard's developed market index, as a large cap holding, or add a non-China emerging markets fund, such as EMXC, which does include a higher expense ratio, um, and go with a three-fund approach for my international holdings? Realistically, I see holding no more than 25% of the international holdings in emerging markets. If I cut out China, is it even worth worrying about this portion of my emerging markets in my portfolio? I have about 20 to 24 years until retirement, and thank you for your time. You know, I tend to lean toward the the uh, answer you gave there at the end. China is such an important part of the emerging markets funds, and I think it's a mistake to leave them out. I really do. Um, and, and if you're making a political statement, then what's the point? I, I mean, it, you're, you're investing to make money. I don't believe that for the most part, it makes a bit of difference for you to make a political statement like that. You are not going to change China. If it makes you feel better, then I would be very tempted to just stick with a broadly diversified international fund that might have a little teeny tiny bit. You're never going to avoid China completely. You cannot possibly avoid Chinese investing completely in any portfolio, given the size of its economy and how its tentacles reach out into almost every aspect of the rest of the globe's economy. Um, therefore, I would probably go with the AVDV, for your international small, and then just use something like VT for the rest of the international market because you're going to get very little China in that, uh, and you're going to get a ton of larger developed markets, and you're going to get a nice 50-50 split there uh, that you can adjust slightly 
And if you want to make it even more complicated, you could add uh, the uh, the Avantis small cap value fund or something like that to get your uh, U.S. proportion up a bit versus your international small. Um, but if you're going to be an emerging market, you're going to be in China. It's just really hard to avoid it. Thanks so much for the uh, question, and let's grab another one right here. Hi, Tom and Don. My name is John, and I'm 60 years old. I've been retired about five years now, and I have a pension, and I also have um, my regular IRA and a Roth IRA. The total between the two is about $650,000, and the money is at Vanguard, and I'm using the uh, Paul Merriman Vanguard suggestions that's similar to his ultimate buy and hold portfolio. I heard your podcast recently talking about the advantages of ETFs, which I do use in a brokerage account. But I was wondering if you should, if I should convert my mutual funds at Vanguard into ETFs, if that would be recommended. I don't plan on drawing on this and for at least another five years. And thank you for your help. I don't think I'd bother. If, if this was in a taxable account, I might look at substituting ETFs for the mutual funds. But the if you're, if you're in, in the funds that Paul suggests, you're in funds with very, very, very low fees anyway. And you already have built-in tax advantages for which you don't really need the tax advantages of an ETF. So you're just making more work for yourself, and you're probably not going to save that much. We're talking about one-hundredths of one percent differences, really. Several one-hundredths, but still not a lot of money. And I know Paul says every, every little bit helps, but I just don't. It reaches a point where you're you're scrambling after pennies and i just don't know that it's worth the bother i wouldn't mess with it i think you've got a fine portfolio as it is and i just leave it the heck alone if it was a taxable account or if you're investing in a taxable account then use etfs because then you get a slightly lower fee and you get automatic deferral of capital gains because there are no realized capital gains in the funds and I think we probably should end it there. That's long enough for this Friday um, edition of Talking Real Money. And I thank you so much for being a part of it. If you get a chance, tell a friend or two. And uh, if you'd like to call and talk with us live, we'll be doing a live show on Saturday in Seattle at 855-935-TALK. That becomes next week's uh, couple of podcasts for next week. So join us then. 855-935-8255 is the number to call 24 hours a day or to call live from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern time on Saturdays. I'm Don McDonald, hanging out, talking real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit 
Visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.